When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast whose Second Amendment is the right to remain jockstrapped. <laughs> what? Sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. strapped, like guns. Glory to you know, guns. Yeah. Armed to the gills. Uh, I'm Mike Johnson. <laughs> I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today... Today, we're talking about a gay thing. A super We're talking gay about thing. a gay thing. Yeah, super gay. Uh, 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 we're we're going to talk about lavender. Yeah. There's there's lots of fun gay meanings and it's a it's a whole gay thing that you'll hear more about in in mere moments. A virtual rainbow. Uh, uh but first, a virtual rainbow? Yeah, we're virtual. So uh, so so first, if oh. today's if today's episode is weird at all, it's because I'm literally in Germany while you're in Seattle. Don't tell people though don't say like this episode might sound weird. This episode is going to sound incredible and good. <laughs> through the magic of editing it will sound like i'm not on a different continent we hope uh one update i had before we get into things yeah is that the second ever glad social media safety index came out just recently a listener alerted me to it so thank you um every single major social media app failed with uh, the scores ranged from 43 to 48%. Oh, wow. That's they're neck and neck for shitty. They, exactly. <laughs> they, they took all the advice that glad had in the last report and were like, eh. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. My goodness. Well, also, also sort of in like, like feedback and or corrections, uh, it, Derek informed me after the show last week that, um, left shark was just super bad. And that's why Left Shark got to be so famous, which yeah. I find that reason uncompelling, although truthful. <laughs> internet, explain yourself. That's like the, the internet does what the internet does, you know? It's like mm. shit it cares about and picks up on. Weird. Uh, okay, actually, you're wrong. No, Weird Left Shark. That's that's perfect. That's like, of course. Yeah, that's a good. Great. That's actually. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're wrong. You're the Great. wrong one. Do you, how do you think right shark feels being left out of the conversation? It's like the when like the siblings and one of them is good all the time and never gets any attention from the parents. And it's like, yeah. I did fucking everything and no one's paying attention to me. Whereas the one that like is, you know, doing drugs and r riding camels and rolling in grass is like getting the parents to yell at them. Great. Speaking of my brother, so uh, he wrote in and said that the, um, uh, that he did not want to be called fuckers about the podcast awards because he went to podcast awards and nominated us and so that we should be nicer. To which I say, fuck you, Murph, and fuck all you fucking fist fuckers. Fucking vote for us, you fucking fucks. How about that? Fist fuckers. <laughs> Podcastawards.com, please, <laughs> or I'll quit the show. <laughs> that was inspirational. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to try to bring them back up from that nosedive, Kyle? I'm I'm uh, I'm I still can't get over that you said fist fuckers at our audience. <laughs> so no, I mean, I'm I'm out of it for another two to five minutes. 
All right, well then, here's the news. Shut your mouth hole, it's time for your ear holes. News, news, news. Uh, here we go, news the first. Jonathan Mitchell, the former solicitor general who helped write Senate Bill 8 in Texas, which is the restrictive abortion law, opened a private law firm in Texas in 2018 and is using that as a conduit by which he can do really fucking awful things. And right now, he's trying to eliminate insurance coverage for Descovy and Truvada because he says, quote, the PrEP mandate forces religious employers to provide coverage for drugs that facilitate and encourage homosexual behavior, prostitution, sexual promiscuity, and intravenous drug use. Which, every time I take my PrEP, I immediately want to shoot up. I, I, before, during, and after, baby. Yeah, it's (laughs) wild to take the opinion that you don't want to help prevent HIV. Yeah. Yeah, that's the side he's taking because Jesus, because Jesus, if there's one thing we know, Jesus loves HIV. Yeah. Yep. Well, like there's not much more to this story, except like what a fucking dickbag asshole this guy is. Fist fucker. He's if you yes, vote for us (laughs) on the podcast awards dot com or you're exactly (laughs) like this dude. Oh boy. <laughs> Do you think Jesus could make a butthole so tight even he couldn't fist it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do, actually. Okay. Yeah. And you had to get surgery for that, I think. <laughs> Jesus and I had the same butt surgery. Okay, let's uh yeah, this dude's an asshole. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's and, fucking uh, insane. That all like the fact that now all things are possible, like I I'm not gonna rule out anything being getting fucked up, like uh, that would be wild to not have insurance cover Discovy or to have more restrictions on Discovy um, or Truvada. That's uh, I mean, they're also coming up after contra- contraception, right? Like you look at all of those, all of those, um, all of those decisions that the Supreme Court made that were based in right to privacy that we talked about before on the Roe v. Wade's shrinkage. Like one of them is butt sex, Lawrence v. Texas. And one of them is is uh, contraception, and and the whole idea is that like if you're not fucking to make babies, Jesus is unhappy, and yeah, I just I just I'm really I'm scared is what I am like it like I get I get angry and pissed off, but then I, I'm also really just terrified because I need I I'm not coming back, Kyle. I'm going to find a German husband, and um, uh, I'm never coming home. <laughs> All right, you heard it here for bye. (laughs) Okay, news the second. Yeah. You've been following this Ricky Martin thing? No. Okay, so Ricky Martin has a 21-year-old nephew, Dennis Yodiel Sanchez, and he is alleging that Ricky Martin physically and emotionally abused him during their seven-month relationship. So... Uh, one of the facts of this case that doesn't appear to be much in like contention is that Ricky Martin was begging his nephew. What? And I saw that part and just assumed that was untrue. That part's true. No, it's not true. But I, I wanted to feed, oh. I wanted to feed the monster and try to get in trouble because all press Jesus. is good press, Kyle. <laughs> So Ricky Martin's nephew has filed a restraining order over domestic violence accusations against the singer. His people are saying, quote, unfortunately, the person who made this claim is struggling with deep mental health challenges. Ricky Martin has, of course, never been and never would be involved in any kind of sexual or romantic relationship with his nephew. 
that was his attorney, Marty Singer, in a statement that he made to today. Um, he said, quote, the idea is not only untrue, it is disgusting. We hope we all hope that this man gets the help he so urgently needs. But most of all, we look forward to this awful case being dismissed as soon as a judge gets to look at the facts. Part of what's interesting about all of this is because he's in Puerto Rico, the prison sentence for incest there, he could face up to 50 years in prison if he indeed was banging his nephew. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just wild. And we're going to, of course, follow this story and see what happens. I'm I, I kind of I, I'll be honest, I'm getting Jesse Smollett like vibes from mm. some of this stuff. And so it could go either way. Like f- fool me once, Jesse Smollett. Fool me twice, Ricky Martin. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh-oh. Also, he seems he's just he's too hot to be creepy, isn't he? <laughs> no response to that. All right. News the third. All right. News the last. Steamworks San Francisco, actually it's over in Berkeley, is in a lot of trouble. Do you know why? Did you hear this story? No, I didn't. What would they do? Was it sexy? They received access to 500 doses of monkeypox vaccine and set up, with the city's help, a program to vaccinate 500 men who have sex with men, which is the community in which monkeypox is primarily spreading in the United States. And then uh, they advertised it as first come, first served. But they made two lines. The people that were paying the thir- for a $35 day pass to stay at the, at the spa, at, at the bathhouse, and they got to jump the line. What? There's a line to check into the club, and there's a line for vaccinations, Steamworks General Manager Zose Newell said. Said a second line was created to allow members to go inside and use the bathhouse, but admitted vaccinations were also given to those members that went in. Holy shit. There are multiple people who paid $35 to go into the bathhouse, receive a vaccine, and they fucking left. Like, didn't even take their clothes off. I would pay $35 for a monkeypox vaccine. Anyway. Oh, absolutely. By the way, by the way, I got a monkeypox vaccine. That's a long-ass story, and I'm not going to tell it here. Listen to the Patreon if you want to hear that whole saga. But I got a monkeypox vaccine last week, and I didn't have to pay anybody. <laughs> you, you, you went into Steamworks on your own volition. <laughs> um, God, that's that's like the corporatization of vaccinations to that you get one vaccination with purchase of day pass. That's yeah. Steamworks. I had higher expectations of you. I don't think I did. Right. And I, yeah, it's interesting. Steamworks through a representative said it quote, will be reevaluating its vaccination process going forward. Like now they have a vaccination process. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be a very short meeting. Should we not do that? Yeah. No. Okay. Consider it revisited. Um, Speaking of, oh wait, was that it? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. How do you like, it's creepy, right? I guess that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's what that's wild. That's the news. Great. Um, speaking of people I would love to run into at Steamworks, uh, thank you to the following Patreon members, Jake Gilbert and Peyton Baird. They are our newest members. And if you want if you want to be like Jake and Peyton and have access to episodes a day early, wait, episodes ad wait, free. Uh, son of a bitch, Kyle, the delay fucked everything up. Do that one more time, please. Do what? The whole thing. Start like not just from the, the, the list of names. 
Mike, my process is so in the moment and spontaneous. I don't know that I could recreate the moment that I just had. Okay. They just say the names. Uh, I would like to thank uh, the following new Patreon members, Jake Gilbert and Peyton Baird. I know that bitch. So I can say I know that bitch. Peyton Baird. I know that bitch. You know that you know that bitch too. How do you know each other from Steamworks? Yep. Yeah, he's oh, the, the tall, oh, the one the tall that... hot Mormon boy. Yep. <laughs> um, with, with the shorter, hot, not as Mormon boyfriend. <laughs> so, okay, sure. Um, thank you to all of our Patreon members. If you want to get episodes uh, a day early, ad-free, and a lot of other amazing benefits, go to patreon.com slash gayishpodcast. Great, do it. Speaking of Patreon, the episode topic we are going to do is Lavender. Uh, this one, this ends my long streak of losing because this one yeah. was my suggestion. Yeah. Did you yeah. intentionally p- submit a bad one so that I would win? No. My process was <laughs> Kyle, Kyle submitted two ideas and said they were both gay things, symbols. And then I realized that yours both started with L because you did lavender and that other L one. Lambda. <laughs> Lambda. And uh, then I, I did I did that. Uh, I, I looked at them and I said, well, they have an L in common. So I'll just come up with a third L one. And then I committed to that being the like category for the month. And then that was the only one out of the L ones that I liked. So what what is the thing you I don't even know what it was. I was like, it's not going to win. So I don't have to know what this is. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not going to tell you because it lost and I'm upset now and I'm going to take my toys and go home. Oh, wow. No, All what right. it really is, is I... it's, a, it's a kind of axe that apparently lesbians have adopted as a symbol for themselves. Uh, what's the word? I don't remember. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't do that one. <laughs> it starts with L. I. Yep. Um, don't we all? Uh, so we are doing Lavender for this one. Uh, thank you to Gap Bridgers who voted on that. The tiebreaker poll was Lambda. So that is going to be yeah. our bonus episode for this month. I lost twice. I now hang my head in shame. Labrus mm-hmm. is the name, which I right. I thought that was a, like part of the lady female anatomy, but it's, it's not. Uh, do you want to start with Lavender? I'm realizing now I said female anatomy and even, you know, trans dudes could have a labrys too, as far as I'm concerned. It's fine. Mm, I'm, I mean, Pan had one, so who can't? <laughs> I'm sorry, Beck, what? The what are fuck we doing? are we talking about, Mike? You I'm just... so jet lagged, Kyle. I'm in Germany. We've gone over this. <laughs> I'm, I have nothing. I don't know. I'm just me. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> She's just being Miley. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, I'll I'll try to redeem myself next month. I get two 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 chances at it. So, yeah. Okay. So so I want to talk to you about the history of lavender. No, you don't. But more importantly, like why it's gay, right? So lavender is the herb of love, which I thought that was marijuana. Apparently, <laughs> it's lavender, and I thought it, it was is, whatever I put on my pizza. It, it is real stinky. Do you know what it smells like? I. Why can I not think of what the smell? Maybe because smell doesn't have thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It, it has a distinct fragrance, which is yeah. why they make it into lavender. All My, the words for lavender are what lavender, so it doesn't help. Yeah. Well, or purple. Lavender is just like, it's a, it's a light herbal. <laughs> well, so interestingly enough, the word lavender comes, comes, from, comes from Latin. Thanks, Derek, for this. This is, this is saving my ass. Uh, it comes from lavare, which means to wash, which apparently they would put it sometimes in the water that you would bathe with in bathhouses in Rome, which 
Romans were not gay. They also had this terrible policy where they gave vaccinations only to right. the people that paid <laughs> in lavenders to access the bathhouses. It was wild. Yeah, you had to have the sisterty to afford it, I guess. Um, okay, so so lavender's been around for a bajillion years, right? Cleopatra bathed in lavender, and um, she used it to seduce Julius Caesar, apparently, or or like I don't know, like. It was part of her allure. It was in the Old Testament, which this story is badass. I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but like in the in the in the book of Judith, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this dude whose name I can't say, Holofernes, and uh, was ordered to go take over the city. And Judith is like, nah, dog, that's not going to happen. So she seduced him with a bunch of lavender smelly <laughs> stuff. And then she made him a cocktail. It was like three parts vodka, a little bit of lime and a bunch of lavender. It was like a potion. He got super wasted. And so she killed him and cut his head off. And then she carried his head back to her people to save the city. She was badass and a mixologist. In my in my mind, my Bible headcanon is she's Judith Light. <laughs> Great. Yes, I think that's perfect. <laughs> I think that works, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Let's see. Young girls in France would stuff their pillows with lavender in the hope of finding true love, which I remember, I, I think it was my great-grandmother used to put lavender like in her underwear drawer which oh yeah that's she, a fun like itch to have in the morning and forget yeah. why <laughs> yeah she was a real slut too um let's see <laughs> uh there's a myth that if if uh if a dude puts lavender in his right shoe it will ensure fidelity which i'm not sure why something in your shoe stops your wife from fucking other people but that was the that was that was the idea. Is it like the hanky code? Like right foot fidelity, <laughs> left foot death o cheating? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right foot she tops, left foot she bottoms, or whichever order it is. A very similar thing uh for, for fishermen, they would make their wives bake cakes with caraway seed and lavender and then like force feed them to them so they wouldn't <laughs> fuck around while he was gone fishing. Jesus. Anyway. So it also is used in cocktails quite a bit, not just for like beheading people, but as, as a legit <laughs> as a legit thing uh, that people use as, as a flavoring. Okay, so now to the why is lavender gay? Like at what point did it become a gay thing? And part of it, as we've said before on the show a bajillion times, when something starts being associated with femininity, then it by extension ends up applying to feminine men and therefore to queer culture. And often that's the the path. An argument can be made here that it's the same sort of thing. Uh, one theory that I think is absolute bullshit is that it blended pink and blue, the colors of masculine and feminine, into one color being purple. And that's why I, I wholesale reject that theory. It is horse shit. Um, another one is that because purple is the color of royalty, purple dye is very was was very rare and expensive, and therefore only royal people wore purple. And there's um, there's a bunch of queer theory out there about like royalty is camp, especially like when you look at, mm. look at like French aristocracy, like they're over the top, just jewels and gowns and gaudiness and ridiculousness and feathers and shit. Like there's nothing fucking gayer than that, right? A hundred percent. And and that's that's part of it. Hmm. But really, I think the etymology that I'm most compelled by is that Sappho of lesbian fame, Sappho <laughs> of Lesbos, she talked about the 
we've lost most of her poetry, right? But some of the stuff that we found talks about younger women with violet tiaras and violet is purple slash lavender. Some of them are lighter in color and that Sappho of Lesbos back in the seventh century BC is the reason that purple gets associated with homosexuality and arguably lesbians have been using lavender for describing themselves for longer than the queer movement writ large has been. And that's, that's sort of the theory of why by the time the 1920s roll around, violets were still a symbol of lesbian community and they would give each other violets as a, Hey, lick my pussy please and then so <laughs> i'm still getting over that we lost most of sappho's poetry i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know i would have to take that hit on this episode and it's not even about lavender it's... oh yeah i think we only have like one poem that's actually complete and we have fragments of many others that are clearly hers for whatever reason we can tell but yeah most of what sappho wrote is is lost to time Oh, tough loss, lesbians. Tough loss. That's, yeah. that's, huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, maybe Sappho was by and history is erasing her. Oh, it's by erasure. Fuck. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> okay. So the 19th century. So we, wait, have, you, we, we uh, don't actually totally know why lavender is gay. There's, it sounds like there are theories, but we don't know where this came from. Um, I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. So it was associated with lesbianism, like pretty pretty strongly, and um, according to some sources, all the way back to Sappho. But um, around the 19th century, so we're we're talking, you know, late industrial revolution. Apparently, somebody accidentally invented a purple dye that would make purple then more accessible, and suddenly everybody was wearing fucking purple because purple this, purple that. It was easy to make now. So they did. Men would wear lavender moleskin or doeskin trousers with blue waistcoats or claret colored coats without anyone batting an eye. It was like camp as fuck. <laughs> and then toward the end of the 19th century, the public began linking lavender with homosexuality. So aestheticism, a European arts movement, was founded that said Victorian wholesomeness is horseshit. It is ugly. It's industrial and gross and we hate it. We need everything to be beautiful and passionate and purple and colorful, but 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 purple and, and lavender a lot. So the newspapers jumped on this aestheticism. That's a hard word to say when you're tired. Aestheticism is super feminine. And one of the prominent leaders of the movement, one of the people that started the movement was Oscar Wilde, who was mm. super duper gay, went to jail because he fucked that boy. And uh, he apparently... You had a lot of sex workers in his life and wrote the homoerotic themed book, The Picture of Dorian Gray. So really, at least according to this particular author, this is an article written by Cristobal Hastings. It was toward, toward the end of the 19th century. It's it's because Oscar Wilde started this movement that said purple is in. <laughs> so then. So a man stole a thing a woman had been doing long before him. And yeah. now he gets credit for it. Yep. Sweet. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I, and really, really, in this case, he wasn't just taking credit for it, right? Like, because what you're saying is funny because it actually happens all the time. This was, he let the fucking secret out, mm. right? Like, was it, were all the gays like, no, fucking don't, don't tell them about the purple thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, look at all these straight dudes in these tight ass purple pants and you're going to ruin it. <laughs> you, you, so then the 1930s, 
uh, lavender started to get like really maligned at like uh, more firmly associated with gay men. And there was a bigger backlash against it. Uh, Abraham Lincoln had a biographer named Carl Sandburg who said that um, Abraham Lincoln had, quote, a streak of lavender uh, as a coded way to say that one of his theories was that Abraham Lincoln was gay. And uh, the the full quote is, sorry, quote, a streak of lavender and spots soft as May violets. Um, And then, of course, you're going to talk about this later. I think the lavender scare during the McCarthy era, it it clearly I mean, that name worked because lavender had become the color of queerness. So that's that's what I could find on why lavender is gay and sort of a bunch of stuff that that uh, that Derek found. Thanks, Derek. You're, you're earning your paycheck this week. During that segment, I remembered that purple is my favorite color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Huh. I'm staring at the backsplash of a purple wall because I painted it purple. God, I'm gay. Okay, um, yeah. I'm going to tell you about the lavender scare. <laughs> tell us about the lavender scare. That's almost exactly where I left off, Kyle. It's like it's like it's like we we planned this for like 45 seconds before we started <laughs> yes. recording. It's like yeah, we spent a, the briefest amount of time planning this. Um, okay, oh, one first of all, a lavender scare is a play on the term the red scare, in which. Uh, we were reacting to communism and feared that communists were everywhere. Uh, I did not know there were two red scares. Did you mm. know there were two red scares? Mm, no. I mean, I, I've been get, afraid of red zero times, so. Uh, you're below average by two. <laughs> um, there was the, the, uh, the first red scare was from 1917 to 1920 after World War I. Ooh, I don't okay. know. No one in history class ever told me that probably because it's highly irrelevant. Okay. Then the second one, the one that we're talking about is akin to McCarthyism. It's after world war two. So apparently like after he, he's, he's my second favorite beetle. <laughs> Um, uh, this, uh, the second one happened after world war two. So apparently after these wars were like angry at them because of, you know, killing and, you know, yeah. hostility and stuff. And so then there's a societal like reaction and fear of, in this case, communists. So the second one, the important one, uh, is from 1947 to 1957. Mm. So, Around this time where we're looking through the government, like, are you communist? If so, GTFO, because that's bad. Um, In 1947, Truman signed an executive order that established a loyalty program (laughs) for the government, which I think if you like do 10 bribes, you get one free. Um, Yeah. they like like marriott (laughs) (laughs) exactly swipe your card every time you walk into your sex worker's house Mm -hmm. (laughs) what this loyalty program actually did was uh target people that were displaying immoral or disgraceful conduct and it was basically a roundabout way you know anything that targets lgbt people you just pretend you say nice things that don't actually say lgbt people and then you can you know whatever wording you use then you use that to go to lgbt lgbt people so this was like essentially a way to go after lgbt people in 1947 in 1950 five men created a secret organization the fifth order which i guess is the gay version of fifth harmony (laughs) Uh, but they uh, the fifth order eventually would become the mattachine society so and honestly some of this stuff i'm like i think 
there was a time I looked up information about the Mattachine Society for like a really, really early on. So I might have known this stuff in the past and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's my brain. So it falls out. Um, So in 1953 that's when the lavender scare more officially begins because truman signed an executive order effectively banning lgbtq people from federal employment so he made it a little bit more explicit Mm. (laughs) mike what what what, this is your history quiz what how did people justify not wanting lgbt people what's the fear the fear was that if a foreign enemy were to discover that somebody important in our government was gay they would be able to use that fact to get them to do stuff for them under threat of letting their friends and family know that they were gay if they didn't yes and also in this article i read uh, there's that uh, and there is this undercurrent of it just said that they were considered to have weaker moral characters there Mm -hmm. is an underlying it that feels a little bit more tactical and has the potential to be true it is something you can use against someone but there is just a general belief that lgbt people are worse that we have we are weaker um that we don't have as good of standing so there's mm-hmm. something a little bit you know more and even shittier about it well and 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 like you like you sort of alluded to it's it likely was especially at that time an actual threat to national security right like mm-hmm. when the stakes are that high when it's fucking illegal to be gay we like if you were found out and this Russian spy dude was like, do this or I tell you you're dead. Like, then, <laughs> you, of course, uh, you would, right? It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. 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 We, we've we mutually said that we would turn each other in in a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The Time, art, time article that I was reading about this, uh, which was published in 2020, I liked this. It said, quote, the political and moral fears about alleged subversives became intertwined with a backlash against homosexuality as gay and lesbian culture had grown in visibility in the post-war years. It is this thing where <laughs> it just so happens that after the war, coincidentally, LGBT or gay and lesbian, at least at the time, issues were growing and there was a backlash against that. And then they just kind of joined these two unrelated concepts to be like, oh, we yeah. should definitely root them out. And, you know, yeah. I, I think we're seeing a something not too dissimilar with as trans people grow in visibility, then politicians will unfairly grab that. And tie that to whatever fucking thing they think about society of why it's going downhill. And just so this is a a tactic that happens when LGBT rights uh, get more visibility and hopefully, you know, improve to some degree. Then people grab that and and use that uh, in in shitty ways. Anytime I hear the or see the phrase root them out, I'm reminded that that's root is Australian slang for fucking root is Australian for fucking. Yeah, sure is. Don't root vegetables. <laughs> You'll beat it. <laughs> so what would ha- what would it tactically happen is people in the government who were suspected of being gay would be questioned without an attorney. It was apparently very invasive. They would ask you about your personal mm. and sex life. And some people, after being interrogated, would flat out quit on their own, just voluntarily be like, fuck that. I'm out skis. Some people mm-hmm. took their own lives because of the stress and tr- trauma. And yeah. at the end of the day, five to 10,000 people lost their jobs as a result of the lavender scare, which that's uh, way higher than I thought. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it couldn't happen here, right? And, you know, I think of it as being something that 
was an idea and made things feel shitty, but I didn't know that that many people were directly impacted. And the number is probably bigger because how many people didn't apply to jobs or got bullied out of applying to a job? And it also, this kind of feeling uh, or this behavior made its way to places like Hollywood. People, not just in the government, not just in D.C., were worried about are their jobs safe because it, mm-hmm, because they're mm-hmm. gay. So this is where enter Frank Kameny, your boy. Yeah. You yep. love him. Well, not my boy. He's uh, Eric Servini's boy oh, from okay. the Deviants War, which Dr. Eric Servini said on my face. <laughs> That's a surefire way to get him to appear on our episode. <laughs> um, he won't respond to my DMs. I've, oh, I've it does. Become, oh. I'm like crazy stalker level now. So okay. I'll just. I'll just stoop to like, I'm yeah. Sit on my face. That's great. Frank Kameny was fired from his job as an astronomer in the U S army's army map service. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess Google maps had to be something before it was Google maps. So he though, Mm. (laughs) it's right. It's right. It's right. Mike, I'm the one Mm -hmm. with the paper in front of me. (laughs) He fought back. He filed a lawsuit which was bum, 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 didn't work, <laughs> but it is uh, the first believed to be the first uh, civil rights claim based on sexual orientation that was pursued in a U.S. court. He also worked to help others and protested. So he took this shitty thing and helped people worked on activism. So did the best kind of anyone could do in that situation, uh, which is great. Yeah. So the, I don't know. And if you can call that in 1975, the civil service commission announced new rules that meant gay people could no longer be fired uh, from federal employment because of their sexuality. Now, of course that, you know, that doesn't, that's not problem solved. We all did it. Everything's great. An easy example of this is security clearance was for people that needed an additional security clearance, that additional thing, then they could still target differently than it's not your employment but you need this clearance so we'll you know so right yeah not to mention you know of course the attitudes and beliefs that were entrenched you know don't just go away so you know there's there's obviously it doesn't just end but you know 1975 is the as as end of an end that i can that i can do on this segment wow well it's interesting because that totally overlaps with my next segment It totally, totally overlaps. Ooh. I'm going to talk to you about the Lavender Menace. Okay. I least favorite Star Wars film. Yeah, right? But it's the gayest one. <laughs> it's definitely the gayest one. <laughs> Which, you know, gay movies are never really that good. Okay, so the the Lavender Menace was a, also sometimes called the Lavender Revolution, was a group of lesbian radical feminists who got together to protest because at the Congress to Unite Women, (laughs) run by the National Organization for Women and some other groups, it specifically excluded lesbians. The idea was lesbians are bad for the movement. Lesbians are too masculine. People don't like them. They don't help move women's rights forward. And they were specifically asked they they were they were marginalized on purpose by by other other women's groups so um members included carla j martha shelley rita may brown lois hart barbara love ellen shumsky artemis march cynthia funk linda rhodes arlene kushner ellen Broidy, and michaela griffo 
So the Lavender Menace was first used in 1969 by Betty Friedan, who is president of NOW, National Organization for Women, to describe the threat that she believed associations with lesbianism posed to the National Organization for Women. She used our word against us? Yeah, yeah. She She's mm. like, well, Lavender was already a lesbian thing. I guess and... Lavender Scare was also... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, never mind. But yeah, she she said that like like the the lesbians inside of feminism were the lavender menace. Hmm. And uh in in fact, the daughters of Belitis, which we've talked about before, one of the one of the first groups to work with the Mattachine Society, which you just got done talking about, they were they were specifically asked not asked, sorry, they were omitted from the list of sponsors for the first Congress to Unite Women in November of nineteen sixty-nine. And then so between between like excluding the daughters of Belitis and starting to push this idea that lesbians were bad for the movement. Rita Mae Brown resigned her job at the national organization of women in February of 1970 and then got this lavender menace group going and describing Rita Mae Brown. Carla J has said, quote, one thing that you were not going to tell Rita was to shut up. <laughs> so she described what went down at the, congress which i thought i thought this story was pretty great this is all one big quote giant quote marks around the next like minute or two finally we were ready the second congress to unite women got underway on may 1st at 7 p.m at intermediate school 70 on west 17th street in manhattan about 300 women filled filed into the school auditorium just as the first speaker came to the microphone, Jesse Falstein, a GLF member, that's the Gay Liberation Front, and Michaela Griffo switched off the lights and pulled the plug on the mic. They had cased the place the previous day, knew exactly where the switches were and how to work them. I was planted in the middle of the audience and I could hear my co-conspirators running down both aisles. Some were laughing while others were emitting rebel yells. When Michaela and Jesse flipped the lights back on, both aisles were lined with 17 lesbians wearing their Lavender Menace t-shirts and holding up placards we had made. Some invited the audience to join them. I stood up and yelled, yes, yes, sisters, I'm tired of being in the closet because of the women's movement. Much to the horror of the audience, I unbuttoned the long-sleeved red blouse I was wearing and ripped it off. Underneath, I was wearing a Lavender Menace t-shirt. There were hoots of laughter as I joined the others in the aisles. Then Rita Mae Brown yelled, yelled to members of the audience, who wants to join us? I do, Thus, I do. Among Us was born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Several replied. <laughs> then Rita also pulled off her Lavender Menace t-shirt. Again, there were gasps, but underneath she had on another one. <laughs> More <laughs> laughter. The audience was on our side. So a, a lot of people that study feminism and second wave feminist movements um, identify that like this is an inflection point and <laughs> that... Uh, now eventually came around and what i think is interesting is we're seeing another not as directly but we're seeing another thing happen with turfs right and and the exclusion of trans women from conversations about feminism and feminist rights and uh i just and especially it, these days the uh, the idea of excluding any cis woman is wild like i didn't i didn't realize that that lesbians were originally excluded so it's like so crazy how things can feel like oh you know the your reaction or your negative feelings about it is like so couched in just you you're not comfortable or familiar with this idea it's it's nothing about actual you know either lesbians at that time or trans people this time yeah yeah i i, I absolutely agree with you and i'm also thinking about like whoever has power you have to 
if you are in a group that doesn't have power, you really do need to strategize about how to get those people that have the power to hand some of that power over. And like women in the sixties and seventies were in a very different place in terms of rights. And if the strategy was straight people aren't ready for lesbians. And if lesbians are on our train, they're not going to let our train leave the station. Then I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like there might be a pragmatic reason to be shitty if it's moving something forward. I know that happened on, on the gay side as well. There's huge fights between Frank Kameny and Mattachine society and um, uh, some other gay groups. I'm trying to remember which ones right now, but th- that's not the point. The, the point is this idea that like, I don't know. I don't know. Then again, every revolution is gross and bloody and violent and asking permission. It didn't get us anywhere. So I, anyway, Any, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> One thing I've learned in working with clients through my like corporate, you know, digital marketing jobs is clients will ask for everything. And so to get, get it so you, you don't have to do everything for them. You say, well, what's part of phase one, what you're really trying and if they have something that's like, okay, is this critical to, to be in phase one? If not, can we put this in phase two? And what you're saying is like, what is a must absolutely have for us to move forward? And what is a nice to have? And they will ne- they will say that they want everything. So phase one and phase two, like you will never get to phase two. You will only do phase one things and then they'll have new ideas or new things happen. But that's what happens with people's rights, though. When you break it down like that, you're like, oh, okay, no, 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 it's, it's chill. We'll get straight cis women that'll be phase one we'll get to you all next and like that just mm-hmm, it never mm-hmm. happens they're like hey this is pretty rad like hey i got a lot of, a lot more rights and i'm feeling the power like and then it doesn't turn around and benefit everyone at least not that you know easily and directly you're now making me realize how many of my ideas for the podcast are never going to happen because you phase two'd me. Let's move this conversation into phase two, please. <laughs> I, I forgot that I revealed secrets to you. Wow, that's wild. Also, really smart little, like, just a few people can do a weird thing with lights and shirts and stuff and change everything. Yep. Absolutely. God, I wish I was smarter and worked harder on things. <laughs> Although we, we we live in a world now where like if there was a bunch of people around and the lights went out, I would fucking yell and scream and run out as quickly as possible. I would kill people and trample them to death on my way out. Like somebody is here to axe murder us all and or AK-57 us. What number is it? Is It's Heinz 57. What, but what number is AR-15? Great. <laughs> Can I tell you about another thing? <laughs> tell us about another thing. Okay. 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 I'm going to tell you about lavender graduations. Oh, what? I thought you were talking about lavender marriages, which I wanted to know what that was. But okay. Lavender graduations. Uh, Yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing lavender graduation. Have you heard this phrase before? No. Okay. Cool. Uh, lavender graduation is during for colleges or universities during graduation is it is a separate event that celebrates and recognizes LGBTQ plus people that are graduating. Oh, in a separate but equal kind of way. That's dangerous. <laughs> no, no other um, minority groups, cultural groups have their own separate events that that was apparently already happening. So this is, you know, one more event that takes time to recognize the unique challenges that any kind of minority student has in going to college and university. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually had a lavender graduation uh, when I graduated in 2008 from the University of Texas at Austin. And mm. my um, my 
sponsor that I wasn't in AA. Um, my a, advisor. A, advisor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, my advisor was like last minute, kind of was like please can you come to this graduation ceremony i think our gender and sexuality mm. center was new and and i don't know it was like can you just come to this thing and i thought it was kind of dumb but i was like okay she was the kind of person she had done so much like i yes if you ask me this is something i will do so i did mm -hmm. it there was you know a few of us we walked across the stage people clapped and you know i don't know i like getting clapped at um so that's sure. that's fine but not getting the clap <laughs> i mean if, sometimes it's worth it you know mm -hmm. so it on the HRC site, this was weird. It what talking about what lavender graduation is, it says it recognizes lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and ally students, <laughs> which that seems like a uh, that seems weird. I don't think it's for allies. Is whoever wants to come, sure, I guess I'll oh, come. <laughs> so, anyway, it was created in 1995 by. <laughs> Dr. Lavender. That's not true. I don't know why I said uh -huh. that. Um, by, <laughs> that was dumb. by Dr. Ronnie Sandlow, who is a Jewish lesbian. The Jewish part doesn't matter to the story. I just wrote that down because it was in the other thing. Her, Jew her Jewishness will not show up anymore. Um, she was denied. I'm getting lost in my thing. Okay. She was denied attendance at her kid's graduation because she's a lesbian wow maybe a little bit because she was jewish i don't know but mostly because she was a lesbian that's okay in 1995 yeah I, like such a weird thing to not let someone into because i don't know yeah uh that this yeah. was at the university of Mich oh no 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 this was at a place that i did not write down the name of make up a place um it's it was at uh, the french parisian center of academic excellence in dallas texas great yeah nice it worked could have said totally accredited and everything is awesome <laughs> just like trump's uh university yeah. she because of this what the I, i'm so off track during this thing this is not that difficult of a concept because of the rejection she felt for this ceremony she then decided to uh start lavender graduation the first one was at the university of michigan in 1995 uh, where they had three graduates walk. Uh, now there are over 200 universities that have lavender graduations. It's working. The gay agenda is the gay, Well, <laughs> of course, anytime the gay agenda spreads, like uh, 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 earned the clap um, in 2015, <laughs> Jonathan Sins, the president of Texas Values. Oh, God. This is, he's a real winner, I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with the word values in it, you know they're going to be fucking assholes. Yeah, fist fuckers. It, it... <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the one? I've been fine with every single fucking thing we said on this podcast. Every word, every word. Why is that my boundary? Okay. Um, it is That organization is a Texas-based organization advocating for traditional family values. Uh, so sure. Jonathan was uh, like had this big critique of lavender graduation saying you know it's wrong all the uh, you know all the usual stuff and it's interestingly i think very ironically said quote i'm not sure this is the most responsible way for a university to prepare students for the real world and <laughs> interestingly there are no gay people in the real world <laughs> <laughs> well it's like 
surprise actually his actions are very fitting for preparing people for the real world because literally anything you do that's gay someone will say that it's bad and a sin and you know whatever so he demonstrated the need for this in the process of opposing it the point being so this event i i like i said like at the time i was like i don't why am i doing this is this really needed but given what i've learned and know about the challenges whether that's mental health education housing family whatever you want to like the challenges that lgbtq people have in just existing or growing up or trying to be just a regular person graduating from a college or university is both not required for a person and does not make you better but also has a level of significance that you persevered through a lot of things that other people didn't have to so now looking back i i understand and like what this represents like that we're doing a little something special and extra for lgbtq people mm-hmm. it, yeah. it kind of made me think about it's like it's basically like pride like people always think of pride as the the thing that celebrates us in a big loud way and combats the negative feelings and like this is another thing that no one ever thinks about or talks about that we do to help celebrate us and say you know we're going to take a moment and just it's just going to be about us and we're going to celebrate that and be happy and positive about it Mm. Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. do you think Mm -hmm. about lavender graduations i wish i could have had one but i was in the closet for much much longer than that so (laughs) were you did you when did you graduate was it after 1995 i graduated high school in 86 Oh, you, I mean, your, your school might have, your school didn't have one at that no. time. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So that's lavender graduations. If, if you are a college student, you know, see if your school has one and if not start it. Yeah. And then blame us. <laughs> Bad press is good press, Kyle. Uh, we're going to do the fast version of this then. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, great. So Louis XIV, who was King of France a long ass time ago. Is known by some as, quote, the sweetest smelling king of all. <laughs> and part of the reason is he had a, I assume, faggot that would just follow <laughs> him around and spray him with perfume 24-7, 365. The reason that he needed to have a perfume spritzing faggot is because he apparently was afraid of taking baths. And there are only three documented baths that he ever took in his life. Louis Fourteenth only bathed thrice in his life. Kyle was one with the faggot. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. This is excellent. Excellent segue. You didn't even realize it. So, uh, but uh, lavender, it turns out was, was one of the ingredients that was used quite often in the spritzes that he got because he was so goddamn horribly stinky. They had to like, like he's like Pepe Le Pew. They had to follow him around. He anyway, started the, I'll just breeze that or I'll just put Axe body spray. He did it first. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, okay. So yeah, he like, he insisted on having his shirts perfumed. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. Okay. But then lavender was one of the ingredients. Great. This is a very tenuous connection to just get to the part where I say Louis the 14th hated gay people. <gasps> fucking hated gay people i'm sorry wait, openly you, uh, you, uh, you skipped over why he's afraid of baths oh you... i i don't know that we know that oh, okay wow so I... part okay so part of it part of it okay so <laughs> apparently 17th century nobility believed like it was medicine science that that water spread disease so the less you bathed the less vulnerable to disease you were mm. 
So it wasn't Louis the just Louis the Fourteenth that was stank ass during this period of time, but he was the most stank ass of the stank asses <laughs> because most people, despite this like bathing is bad for you vibe, would do it anyway because gross. And considering the number of people that Louis the Fourteenth banged, it just I can't even just I can't I don't know I like I can barely handle I can barely handle the section at fetish night that decides not to wear deodorant i'm fine it's fine that people are into that and that's an appropriate venue for that but i'm just saying that is like a couple of days of of bo a lifetime i don't just he probably smelled like cheese (laughs) okay you can get to the important part about he hates gay people (laughs) he hated gay people hated them hated them hated them there and and sodomy was um illegal right there, there were there were laws against gay shit back then but it turns out that louis the 14th didn't enforce those laws because the king's brother philippe was gay uh he was married twice and fathered plenty of children but his real love was a man three years younger than him and uh homosexuality was a crime but louis the 14th himself had to tolerate it because of his brother then Turned out later, his son was probably gay. Hmm. There were rumors that their father was gay. They're just gays everywhere in this family, Kyle. And I just think that that's really interesting because it goes, it goes, it goes to this thing that we've been talking about. Like it's easy to hate an idea, but it's hard to hate a person, especially if you care about them, right? Like once you have a gay person in your life, it totally affects attitudes about gay stuff and gay rights and support for the gay movement. Yeah. And I. It, it's just super interesting when it's like, I can't kill my brother or my son, despite the fact that they're banging half of France together. Um, Weirdest road trip movie ever. <laughs> yeah. That's the fast version of that. Why does he, what did he do that was, how do we know he hates gay people? Did he like talk about it? Cause you, you said he like didn't enforce the laws. Sounds like he did good stuff. Well, let's see. I don't have that in my notes here. Oh. I cannot have asked that question. That's fine. We can follow up with that if we want to. Sure. Put a butt plug in it. Great. Okay. The last thing, then, I'm going to tell you about three lavender-named organizations and what they do, because I think they're really cool. Okay. First- It's like a Rolodex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The first is the Lavender Effect. Um, Mm -hmm. Sequel to the Butterfly Effect. No. Okay. I need to just say things and not- Okay. The Lavender Effect, its goal is to advance LGBTQ heritage and culture. They uh, are, I think, like based in California, have a surprising focus on California, promoting California as a hub of LGBTQ like education and importance that I don't know, that was the one thing that fell off. But their goal is to help grow people's knowledge of our culture, history, education. For example, one of the things they do is the Oral History Project to yeah yeah <laughs> right <laughs> am i right fellas um it, they capture video testimony of lgbtq people who were there and witnessed important seminal queer events and it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wild that you know just like making gay history is you know someone was just like who's writing this down that all of this stuff is like people are still alive that we need to be like what did you see? And we need to get this down in the history because it's not. So I, I I was not aware this was a thing. And it's really cool that that they're 
helping do that and document our history. Hmm. They also, you may remember them because they also do today in LGBTQ history, which is, oh yeah, I use that often for have a nice gay. To, if I wanted to figure out something to talk about, I'd look to see if anything big happened on this day. So they're yeah, the website sure. that I would always go to and check. Excellent. Uh, so if you want to check them out, it is the lavender effect.org. The second one is the lavender rights project. Mm. Have you heard of this one? No. They're actually based in Washington. So it was um they their goal is to because elevate all the, the the other colors oppress purple and they purple lives matter or something. Is that <laughs> what that is all about? <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, uh they elevate the power, autonomy, and leadership of black gender diverse people that is their entire thing they are black trans femme led they are bipoc trans staffed they help provide things like legal services or housing services to black uh or bipoc gender non-conforming people mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one thing that they also are doing is here in king county they are trying to build they they call it the house Labyrinths projects the house, which sounds like a real world thing or something. <laughs> um, but the goal is to build a physical place for fifteen black gender diverse individuals here in King County. So, wow. yeah, yeah, uh, that is lavenderrightsproject.org. The last one is the United States Lavender Growers Association, or the USLGA. <laughs> <laughs> they help promote the lavender industry in the United oh, States. Kyle. They are a collective voice for lavender growers. One oh, of the no. programs they do is the Lift Awards, lavender I ideas, lavender ideas for tomorrow. So those that come up with innovative lavender ideas can win an award. I hate this so much. Because they, they, they help continue to think through, grow, and innovate in the, in the field of lavender. Oh, that was mm. funny. Okay. They, <laughs> they have an annual conference. And if you want to learn more, you can go to uslavender.org. I'm never doing that. And <laughs> neither should our listeners. <laughs> Please do. Uh, okay. On the Patreon segment, I will tell you what lavender marriages are because that is a real thing. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about, are all children's show characters that are purple gay? <gasps> Yes, Tinky Winky. <laughs> okay, I, I was like reflecting in my head, which is also not good. Basically, you can put the word lavender in front of fucking anything, and it's either an organization or a movement or a, I don't know, whatever. So um, yeah. is that all for lavender? Yeah, we, did, we did it. We, I feel like we've said that word a lot. And that counts for something. <laughs> we, this is probably most per capita uses of the, <laughs> the episode name. And I think that's something, Mike. Yeah, I do too. And I, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even go down the road of like, what is lavender, Kyle? How is it different than purple? And I'm, I'm so proud of the restraint that I showed. You sidestepped so many annoying Mikeisms. I thought you were also going to like find something. I was the one that did the unrelated lavender thing. <gasps> I'm the monster mm -hmm. now. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. We did it. But we I think it. we did it. Okay. Music. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Going to go get out the markers and color my face. I'm going to be my own lavender fragrance faggot. All right. Let's take a break. <laughs> let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> we are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, you mother fist fuckers, go to podcastawards.com. 
vote for us in the podcast awards. Or we'll say fist fuckers in every episode at you and your ear into your head space. Great. Sure. Yeah. Next, Pride 48 is coming up. So our Pride 48 live stream for their live streaming event is coming up. Put it on your calendar. Or actually, I should put it on Facebook and then you can put that on your calendar. It is Sunday, July the 31st, 2022 at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So we will be just joining our friends for a chat and a celebration of queer podcasting all weekend long. Be there or be square. In fact, our friends at Minority Report are just uh, a couple of hours later. They're at 3 p.m. Pacific. So super, super excited for that. Yeah. And then um, before we go into Gays and Stratus, I'm going to do my local gay bar review. Um, this time I was in Vancouver, British Columbia last week, and I went to the Fountainhead Pub. So it is very chill. It's cool. They have giant beers. Um, I met a listener there. Oh. And my my new best friend uh, at work who works in reception, his name is Sheldon, but I, I may or may not have accidentally called him Hot Sheldon a couple of times. <clears throat> and um, we all like had had beers and hung out at this place. It's like it's it's really open. Like they have that kind of like like, you know, the windows can kind of slide open so that it's an airy sort of space. And it's got like a little bit of an of a like a neon kind of a lighting situation going on, but it's not overbearing. It's it's really just like the go and chill hangout kind of a place, and I thoroughly enjoyed it right there at the top of Davies Street. Um, I give it four dildos. Great, love it. Great. Uh, our website is gayishpodcast dot com. We are on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter at gayishpodcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. And our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. Our physical mailing address is post office box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Um, gayest or Yeah, I'll go. Okay, um, sure. My gayest is this past Friday, I met up with a friend to go drink wine. We did a little pour your own wine kind of thing. And I did my most femme look yet where I wore a skirt and flats and put on eyeshadow and mascara. That's Mm. the most that's the most femme things I've done all at once. Do you do you want to upgrade to dangly earrings? Sure. But that's there's like uh, uh, gay dudes have been having those like super long earrings these days. So I might accidentally become in on the other side. We'll talk. Um, My straightest is the Bob's Burgers movie came out on Hulu. And so I said a night where I was like, I'm making a frozen pizza and I'm watching the Bob's Burgers movie. So excellent. I'm so proud of you. You know what? Me too. What about you? Uh, so the gayest thing about me this week is um, all of this travel that I've been doing. The number of times that I've typed gay bars near me into Google Maps, <laughs> it now basically suggests that it, the, immediately as soon as I open the app. It's yeah. like, oh, you looking for gay bars? <laughs> Let me try to help. Um, and then the straightest thing about me this week, uh, I was in Frankfurt, Germany last night, and it was Frankfurt Pride, or oh. Christopher Street Day Parade. And I just, I was too wiped. I couldn't go. So not going to Pride, it was the straightest of the week. A very close second, though, was we got here to Jena, which is um, smaller Germany. It's a central. There are a lot of farms and farmhouses very near here. Anyway, uh, checking into the hotel, 
the clerk was shocked and amazed when Marcy checked in as well. And she needed her own room. She assumed we were a married couple and tried to like give me her keys. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was, that was, that was quite awkward. Oh, that's, oh. um, well, a listeners, this one comes to us from discord. This is from the resurrectionist. Their straightest is insisting. Everyone calls me Mr. President on my debate team and then acting like they actually care about my authority. Amazing. <laughs> that's so straight. That's, that's great. Gayest went shopping today and nearly ran out of the store because the guy bagging my groceries was really cute than having to explain to my father why I was walking away so quickly. Cute, like, can't deal with this hot dude. Yeah, I get that. Why wouldn't you buy more groceries and hand them to him? <laughs> Just... <laughs> I would drop the mayonnaise or something and be like, look, that could be me in your ass later. Oh, uh, never mind. Oh okay, I... <laughs> Thank you. Also, on that note, thank you also to our super cat bridgers who give us money to help support the show. Thank you to Stephen Porch, Joe Stosel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, Anonymous, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Christopher Farrell, J- Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McStumbles, Donaldinsky, Thomas B. Dust Sands, A. Coleman, Chris Catchatorian, and Jerome York. That's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Catchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Bye. Oh, God, I'll be in London. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> Best intro ever, Kyle. <laughs> um, all right. Maybe you were right to warn them that the miss may sound weird. Never mind. Well. I stand corrected. I'm just so cranky. Okay. <clears throat>